Whether Modern Evangelical Outreach Has Become an Inoculation Against the Holy Spirit What's you going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Cain in Kung Fu Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Welcome to Walk the Earth. I'm Greg, and I want to talk about evangelism today, but I want to do it in somewhat of an inverted way. I'm going to approach it through a quick look at atheism and agnosticism, a very quick look, and then talk a little bit about some of my favorite bloggers and kind of their take on what I think is essentially this same question. Are Christians doing Christianity so badly that you're more likely to see uh, an attempt at evangelism repel people from the church than attract people into fellowship? Um, I think the question is probably obvious. I could almost start with saying the answer is yes, the too-long-didn't-read version. But I do want to talk about a couple things and do something I don't think I've done before on Walk the Earth, and that's sure a clip from another podcast. We'll get there in just a moment. First, though, just to kind of call out how people can interact with Walk the Earth. I'm on Twitter, at IC underscore Greg. I use the uh, Inappropriate Conversations moniker, IC underscore Greg, to communicate both with uh, Walk the Earth questions and inappropriate conversations, topics, along with things that just I encounter in everyday life. My uh, interests uh, tend to run with the show, so anybody who's listened to um, many of the 200-plus podcasts that I've done under both those headings, Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth, would have a good feel for the unique mix of sports, music, movies, uh, politics, religion, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. The other place to interact, though, is Facebook. There's a Facebook page for Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations, each one of them independently. And uh, though there's a significant overlap in the number of people who are listeners to the shows, it's not a complete overlap. There's a little bit of a difference there. And I want to start by focusing on kind of things that I've recently posted to Walk the Earth to prepare myself for this particular topic, because that's kind of how it works. As I'm you know, a couple of months away from a show, I'll be thinking more and more about the, the material that I want to review and the way I think I might answer the question. And that takes me into things that I encounter, like, and then share, either on Twitter or on Facebook. At the time of this recording, one of the more recent posts is a quote from uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, so a, a rabbi sharing a post, I believe, saying this, It is customary to blame secularism for the eclipse of religion in modern society, but it would be far more honest to blame religion for its own defeats. Religion declined not because it was refuted, but because it became irrelevant, dull, oppressive, and insipid. When faith becomes an heirloom rather than a living fountain, when religion speaks only in the name of authority rather than with the voice of compassion, its message becomes meaningless. That from the rabbi. For my take is, you got a lot of people who think that secularism is something. It's, it's an active, it's a cause, not an effect. And that religion is the victim, it's the object, it's the affected. And I think that's probably exactly the opposite. If you wanted to look at a scale from secularism to sectarianism, for example, or, or just put religion and non-religion side by side, 
one of them is causing the other. And I do not believe that uh, anybody who considers themselves to be faithful in a theistic worldview would say that non-religion causes religion to happen. That's certainly not what I would call traditional Christian thinking. But there seems to be little, very little doubt in my mind that the way religion is practiced today, in, in the United States in particular, but clearly it's a trend worldwide, is causing um, an uprise in non-religion, a, uh, an increase in secularism, for want of a better word. And, and I sit here as a person who probably could accurately be described as a man of faith who doesn't see a problem with that. Because I look at the same sort of inputs and outputs and probably would say to most of my atheist friends, yeah, I completely understand. I get where you're coming from. Someone shared with me on Facebook earlier in the week a uh, graphic, a comic graphic, mind you, but a graphic all the same. It says, Conservative Christian Facebook Posts, and it's a pie chart. The order I'm going to list these in is probably the order of the size of the slice of pie. Uh, it, most of these slices are very similar in size to each other. In other words, let's put it that way. Uh, Obama sucks. Liberals suck. Gays getting married? Not while I have my guns. Oh, and don't take my guns. And then the smallest slice showing is, let me tell you how much I love Jesus. And then a slice of the pie so statistically insignificant that it doesn't actually appear visibly on the chart. Helping the poor, sick, and needy. In other words, conservative Christians who post on social media have almost nothing to say about helping the poor, the sick, the needy, bringing us together as a society. And they have a great deal to say about things that either set them apart, set themselves on a pedestal. Let me tell you how much I love Jesus. Or divide and attack the rest of the world. Obama sucks. Liberals suck. Don't take my guns. And gays shouldn't be getting married. And while I have my guns, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop it. That mentality. Now, I was very open in sharing that I don't think this pie chart is based on any sort of sociological research. I don't think that if you click through it, you're going to see the table and the the formal polling data. It's, It's meant to be sarcastic. But the most damning thing I think I can say about the church today is that from a social media perspective, I think this chart is absolutely true. I have a lot of friends that I've stood elbow to elbow with in Christian outreach and Christian ministry. And when I see Facebook posts from them online, this describes it pretty well. I'm more likely to see something um, politically polarizing, anti-Obama, anti-Democrat, anti-liberal, or um, something related to a key issue like uh, standing up for the police and um, those, uh, those minority groups shouldn't be so uppity or guns, or something along those lines. And of course, gay marriage was incredibly polarizing um, over the course of not just the last year, last year in particular, but over the last, frankly, several years. And I'm always taken aback by how rarely I actually see somebody from one of those groups, those, uh, again, the, the religious right, the evangelical Christian circles, posting something that isn't either somewhat self-serving and insular, Let me tell you how much I love Jesus. Let me tell you about my church. Here's somebody that I know personally who's a good Christian Republican who needs prayer. That sort of thing. And how rarely I see anything that has a broader perspective about the generalized outreach, about reaching what Jesus described in Matthew 25 as the least of these. People who are hungry, thirsty, homeless, um, sick, 
in the hospital, in prison, in need of shelter, those those type people, you almost never see any posts related to that, um, especially if you're looking on Facebook, uh, Twitter. There's places in the Internet I don't go because I feel like they're even darker than that, and I, I want no part of it. In the last couple of years, I found a blogger online that I really like. Uh, my attitude about blogs is that I'm sort of a sampler. Most of the websites I visit... If I visit them looking for content, I'm typically looking for podcast content or uh, content that's supporting a podcast. Uh, Secretly Timid is a good example of that. I usually do look at the uh, graphics that they post and the links that they provide to the stories that they're talking about in any given week. And uh, that that's a podcast that for me has been very important. I think I've said it before, at least on inappropriate conversations, if not elsewhere online, that Secretly Timid has kind of replaced the definitive word for me when that Simply Syndicated podcast did its formal pod fade. But going to see blogs, having a, in other words, having a subscription to blogs is just not something I do. I allow social media to bring articles to me, and I will very selectively pursue them. Occasionally I'll spend a lot of time on a blogger I've never read before, which you have to, just to get a feel for whether or not uh, you're, you understand where that person's coming from. But there are a few that I find myself visiting on a consistent basis. And again, here in the last couple of years, John Pavlovitz is one of those bloggers. He, I referred to him, I think, as probably my go-to blogger here lately. And if you pair him together with the Facebook group, Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented, and you wanted to get a feel for kind of what my worldview is, part of the reason I go to these sites more often than others is because they represent my point of view pretty well. Well, on this topic, here recently, I believe February 8th of this year, uh, John Pavlovitz at johnpavlovitz.com put out an article saying, Christian, the reason why many people are losing faith may be you. And it's right on target to our question today. So let me share briefly from this blog post, just a couple of paragraphs, and I'll line that up as kind of one side of the spectrum, and then I want to share a clip from the podcast Greetings from Nowhere. They recently did an episode, it was in 2016, called The Atheist Show, where Christina from Greetings from Nowhere and Daniel Brewer from Dubious Intent got together and had a conversation about atheism, and I'll talk a little bit more about my reaction to that show and Perhaps why Christina didn't need to be as worried as she might have been about my reaction to that show? I'll get there in just a moment. For now, Pavlovitz, quoting him, In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus dreamed out loud that the very lives of those who followed him would become brilliant beacons pointing to God, that our collective character would be the loudest testimony of God's goodness in the world. We would incarnate Christ's love to a hurting humanity in real time, up close, and they in turn would seek the source of what they'd experienced and find God there waiting. Consider this a wake-up call, because that dream ain't happening with nearly enough regularity. Every single day, frustrated, exhausted people tell me as much. They reach out to me at their place of breaking, the pivot point where their road turns decidedly away from the pursuit of God. And so many times they share with me that they are leaving the faith behind for good. Not because of the systemic sins of the institutional church, or the theocratic politics of presidential candidates, or the greed and abuse they see in organized religion. No, it's much more localized than that. Far too often, people are abandoning Christianity because they are looking closely at believers like you and me, and finding very little light worth moving toward. Pavlovitz. There is more in his blog post online. 
And you can see how this ties so directly into the question today. If we think about it from that perspective, whether modern evangelical outreach has become an inoculation against the Holy Spirit. I want to take it in that sort of theological direction, but first I want to share that other perspective. I'm a big fan of Greetings from Nowhere, and although I don't believe I've shared a sound clip from their show on Walk the Earth before, I've done it more than just once or twice on the Inappropriate Conversations podcast. There's a feedback loop there that's really positive and very productive, where we talk to each other, sometimes directly. I've had the pleasure in the last year of having face-to-face meetings with Christina and Nicole both, and frankly, met Daniel Brewer along the way. So I've got faces to the voices that I'm going to share with this in this particular clip, and they're having a conversation intentionally in a podcast that is very much a conversational format for Greetings from Nowhere. And the question that they're looking at is, is atheism, what it's like to be a non-believer in this world, in, in America as we see it today. And it's not that I want to say that religion is causing and you know non-religious view, that secularism is a rise in response to Christianity done badly. In some ways, it's even worse than that. And I'll let Christina do the talking in answering a question that was in the chat room on the night that they recorded, coming from another podcaster, one I haven't met yet, named uh, Toppy Smelly. He wanted to push back a little bit, and perhaps uh, as, a, as a neutral party, saying there is some good coming out of people who have a Christian point of view. I will. I'm an agnostic leaning very close to being atheist. First and foremost, I'm above and beyond anything a skeptic. But I always want atheists to remember the hardcore love and goodness that comes forth from people who believe in Jesus. This simple fact is easily obscured by all the passionate beliefs of non-believers. One, non-believers don't have beliefs. Two, Jesus isn't required to be loving and good. And I have not experienced love and goodness from followers of Jesus. In fact, Nicole was one of the first followers, hardcore followers of Jesus that treated me like a human being. Um, so people are people regardless of religion. Jesus or the belief thereof in a Jesus or a God doesn't m- instantly make you a better person. So that was Christina from Greetings from Nowhere answering a question on that show that she uh, had co-hosted with Daniel, guest host from uh, Dubious Intent, taking a question from Toppy Smelly from the Smellcast and offering her reply. I want to offer a reply to the reply, but the thing I want us to take away from it was her statement, which I believe is heartfelt and true, having met both of the people involved, that Christina probably didn't meet a genuinely caring Christian until she met Nicole, that all of her encounters before that had either been completely neutral or more likely negative. But first, just to answer the points that were being raised, I I understand what she means when she says that non-believers don't have beliefs, but I don't think that's actually a true statement. I think what Toppy was getting at when he was making his chat room point was not that non-believers have a faith of their own and that their non-belief is a form of faith. That's what I think Christina means when she says to be a non-believer means you don't have beliefs. I just happen to think that everybody has certain core, foundational, formative beliefs, whether you're Christian or not, whether you're theistic or not, whether you're religious in any way or not. And I think that ties into her second point in that You don't have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to be a nice person, a caring person. Jesus is not a magic wand, in other words. And I definitely think that was what she was getting at with the second part of her reply. 
during this interview on the uh, Greetings from Nowhere podcast, where you can find that at uh, www.visitnowhere.com, the atheist show from earlier this year was the episode name. She talked a little bit about when she was young and what few experience she has in church had come from a relative, uh, not, not her parents, but a relative, taking her and her sister to that person's church and Christina getting in trouble because even at a relatively young age, not just asking questions, but asking the next question, asking the extra question in a situation where perhaps the educational approach in that Sunday school of that church was unidirectional. Um, and I've heard this described from other friends. Uh, Karen from Starbase 66 talked about her Christian education being part of a uh, parochial school it was the same way. The teachers were very willing to open up the Bible and teach in classroom from the Bible. They just weren't all that interested in answering questions that might come up from that. No, Christina mentioned a sort of a prosperity gospel tie-in, I guess is how I would describe it. Her dominant memories of visiting church as a child, at least the worship service as a child, was a pastor wearing a very expensive suit, even obvious to somebody who was in grade school, a very expensive suit, uh, with a wife wearing an even more expensive dress and a very expensive jewelry, uh, begging for money every single Sunday, uh, and perhaps even preaching that giving to this church will give you blessings not just in heaven, but here on earth. And we've all seen sort of this sort of manipulation happen. And so I think that's an example of what I want to talk about, and I'll go back to the question here in a moment. But before when I recorded the first part of this Walk the Earth question and answer today, and when I'm picking up to finish the recording, I've singled out Christians tired of being misrepresented as an inspiration for me, and I found out that they are doing a blog fade. Their uh, Facebook page will shut down on uh, February 29th, on leap day of this particular leap year. They will leap out of existence. And I've got to tell you, that really uh, that disheartens me somewhat. Because they've been a resource all along for both Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth. The founder, Janet, has been named a different drummer, in fact, on a previous Inappropriate Conversations episode. So I will be sorry to see them go. All the same, I will soldier on. So to restate the question quickly and get back to what I mean by this notion of inoculation. Whether modern evangelical outreach has become an inoculation against the Holy Spirit. So what do, I, what do I mean by inoculation? If you think in terms of vaccination techniques, the idea of giving you a little bit of a, a particularly dangerous and contagious disease, some dead cells from the disease is even a better example of what I'm talking about. You can spur the body to create antibodies to fight off exposure to the disease itself later. So I'm the only member of my family who's never worked in a hospital. I don't pretend to be medical. If I get this wrong, please overlook it and forgive me in that context. But essentially the idea behind some vaccinations is taking the dead cells of the disease itself, some remnant, some shell of, in the case of the example I want to use, Christianity, some Christian facade, and sticking that in, and perhaps through a painful technique, through an injection of sorts, into the bloodstream of the person who's being treated so that when they encounter the real thing later, the actual active ingredient, the Holy Spirit, if you will, or what I would describe as real Christianity, they will have a built-up resistance to it because they've encountered the dead version, found it to be something that their body wanted to reject, and in the process of rejecting that dead, fake version of 
the disease in this case, the body is then very well equipped to uh, reject any sort of encounter with the real thing. And that's sort of what I mean. And I am describing most modern American evangelical Christian outreach as exactly that. Think of it from the perspective of being sort of a give-to-get scenario. So I talked about uh, Christina's recounting experiences in worship services when she was very young and seeing right through, even at a young age, the give-to-get nature of what was being preached in that church, that the pastor is basically saying, hey, do this for the church, do this for me, and you'll you'll get rich. Uh, you, you see this on like the Trinity Broadcasting Network and other Christian media all the time. The idea of uh, you'll get an increase from God if you give to this ministry right now. And people who I think have had a certain charlatanism running through their approach to Christianity, your televangelist problem, it's kind of how I word this, have, have long had a reputation for that. Basically taking the last slice of the slim savings of the fixed income faithful and getting it sent to that pastor who perhaps does has no more intent than buying another car with it or getting another $1,000 suit where this person is now struggling to uh, pay uh, heating bills or feed herself or himself. But they've given the money to the church because the televangelists have said that they will get an increase if they give, not just the treasure stored up in heaven, as Jesus described when Jesus warned about uh, how impossible it is to be a lover of both God and money at the same time, that you can't serve two masters. No, no, these people preach that you can serve two masters and that the immediate master who's going to reward you is the master of money walking among us here on the earth. Perhaps being exposed to that kind of Christianity heightens your awareness of the give-to-get nature of even uh, an encounter with an everyday believer. Is their sole purpose and intent getting you to come to my church, to leave your church if you already are going to one, and switch to mine, add to my membership roles, add to our attendance count, become a member, become somebody who gives, make the church stronger financially, I guess would be the way I would word that, all those sort of things. I think it was the very first episode of Walk the Earth, preparing myself for this journey of leaving a church I'd been a part of for 15 years and a, dominant, a denomination I'd been a part of for almost all my life in, in search of something more authentic, something that was less obsessed with the numbers. And I remembered what the United Methodist Church liturgy does at the time of new membership, people joining the church or baptism. Or confirmation, which may or may not have a, a baptism associated with it, where the person who's coming into the fellowship, who's joining that church, is asked to promise to support the church with their prayers, their presence, their gifts, and their service. So pray for the church, attend the church, give financially to the church, and roll up your sleeves and, and serve in very direct ways to, with, and through the church. And that almost all those occasions include the pastor at some point turning to the rest of the congregation. And in the context of welcoming the new member in, reminds the congregation. And the congregation may actually themselves take that pledge to renew their vow, to support the church with their prayers, their presence, their gifts, and their, and their service. But what happens when even a chance encounter with a new person in the neighborhood or a conversation over lunch, whether with coworkers or others, that moves in a sort of faith direction. What happens if that conversation is little more than simply drumming up more business? 
there's a line that I read recently online that says, I can't remember it exactly, but it was something along the lines of, if you're obsessed with the numbers, you're not engaging in evangelism, you're engaging in sales. And that's pretty much the idea. And I think when you look at what Christina was saying, describing her friend Nicole, and describing her as a major exception, it may come down to this meme, which I have seen recently and could find again. It says, from Bishop Andrew Doyle, Sometimes the best evangelism is simply telling people you're a Christian and then not being a complete jerk. Now, I don't want to cast every single person who engages in outreach, who's interested in people joining them in fellowship and coming to church with them as being a complete jerk. I'm just saying that it's, it's maybe a bit too common. And when it does happen, what it does is it makes it that much harder for the concept of the Holy Spirit to function as it's described in Christian tradition. That idea of the Holy Spirit convicting people and that uh, Christians don't convert anyone. Christians simply share their faith and the Holy Spirit does the rest. But the Holy Spirit's going to have a much harder time getting into the heart of anybody who has had that heart hurt and calloused before by the hateful actions of Christians. Make no mistake about it. If you're a Christian who's so obsessed with telling the world what's wrong with it, you're hurting people. You're injuring somebody. You could be talking to somebody that you're convinced is not the person that you're denouncing. They're not um, whatever you're upset with, whether that be you know, Barack Obama or uh, you know, abortion people who had an abortion or whatever. But they may know somebody who has. They may care deeply for somebody who has. And those hateful words get internalized and force people to sort of build a wall to protect themselves against that kind of encounter again. And maybe what happens is, because of the way you know bad Christian behavior causes people in the world, especially people who don't have a, any sort of relationship with the church, to build those sort of defense mechanisms, those people ultimately aren't going to be able to see Christ through the veil of modern Christianity, that modern Christianity, in, in essence, gets in the way, or that the evangelical outreach that you see performed today becomes little more than an inoculation that protects those people through a bad experience against actually having any sort of relationship with God in their future because they've got enough information to know how to um, resist any temptation. And I'm not suggesting in any way that the Holy Spirit isn't all-powerful or that God can't break down any and all boundaries. I'm just saying that perhaps and more than just perhaps, a lot of evangelical Christianity makes that just that much more difficult. Anybody who, comparing this to my last Walk the Earth episode, is aware that Christianity is a theistic religion and therefore is a belief in one God, and yet has noticed how quickly so many prominent politically conservative pastors pounced on Wheaton College and basically created a bit of a villagers with torches witch hunt to get Dr. Hawkins removed from that university for having the audacity of saying what? That her Christian worldview is that there's only one God, and therefore anybody who claims to worship God is claiming to worship that one God. Parenthetically, or in a footnote, we could go into great detail about whether or not their understanding of God is consistent with mine, and maybe mine is more accurate and more real to me than theirs could ever be. All of that notwithstanding, there's only one God. There have been, in other words, far too many witch hunts. And there are people in this country who care deeply about some of those quote-unquote witches who have been hunted.
if and as you are led, please join me in prayer. Lord God Almighty, I confess that for more than a few years now, I've been in a crossroads about outreach, been uncomfortable with traditional forms of evangelism. Lord, I think you remember the time that uh, Mike and his family moved into the cul-de-sac next door, and it was probably only my second conversation with them that I asked them of, about whether they were looking for a church, having recently moved to the area, and if they'd be interested in joining me in mine. And Lord, I think what your Holy Spirit convicted me of that very day was that I had not earned the right to invite. That relationship had not reached that level. And I'm still, in some ways, kind of dealing with what that mistake means and what it means for me. Not a mistake in terms of numbers and uh, membership and, and uh, success rates and all that other sort of dreck that frankly makes me uncomfortable and Lord, I believe, makes you uncomfortable too. No, um, mistake in terms of not being real with people and expecting that that would somehow be okay with you. Lord, we know it's not okay with you. We hear from people all the time who have been so put off by pushy, uh, privileged Christians insisting on their own way and hopeful of adding members to their roles as if it was all some sort of numbers game. Lord, you've proven over and over again in the stories that we read in the scripture that it's just a remnant that matters. And Lord, I pray that if things continue to move in the direction they're going and if Christianity finds itself divided into a schism of people who are willing to love others versus people who are unwilling to do so and insist on having their way and having dominion over this earth right now, that I may be part of that remnant. This is my hope and my prayer, and that maybe that light, no matter how dim, no matter how small, will shine clearly enough for others to see. And Lord, help me at that moment of truth to not be a jerk about it. Amen. What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, I... All shapes and sizes, Vincent. You shouldn't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. Next on Walk the Earth, whether Jesus denounced the use of a homophobic slang term in one of his sermons. Thanks for listening.